You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we interview great sporting coaches to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is Penny Cooler-Reed. Penny is a former player who played for the Collingwood Football Club in the Australian Rules Football League Women's Competition. She also represented Australia in the International Rules Series against Ireland, as well as playing high-level cricket. After retiring in 2017, she was appointed senior coach of the Collingwood football team for the 2018 season. In that year, she was voted Coach of the Year and the year after in 2019 led her team to a premiership. She's also credited with changing the trajectory of female sport in Australia through winning a sex discrimination case that forbid girls from playing in mixed sex teams after the age of 12. Her action led to the rules being changed so that girls could continue playing until the age of 14. A documentary called Even Girls Play Footy was made about the case and we have included a link in the show notes. Penny is both an inspirational coach and person. In this interview, you will hear her talk about pushing boundaries and challenging people's beliefs and expectations. She believes that anything is possible and she shares stories from both her life and her athletes to illustrate this. One of the reasons Jim and I started this podcast was to have better conversations around the dinner table with our families. 
and when I shared Penny's story, it inspired my own daughter to start an equality club at school to address some of the misconceptions the boys had around what girls were capable of, an initiative that made me very proud. I hope Penny's story resonates with you the same way it did with Jim and I. The Great Coaches Podcast. Penny Cooler-Reed, good afternoon and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. How are you? I'm fantastic. I think we're in week 26 of 417 stage four lockdown here in Melbourne, uh, but no, going really well. Thank you. Oh, Penny, I'm so sorry to hear that my parents are in Melbourne and they're going through the same thing, but could I ask, it might be, it might be a bit of a bland question, but uh, where in the world are you and what have you been up to today? Uh, today, I have gone for my one hour walk. Um, I'm in Melbourne myself. So gone for the walk, um, took the dog, got a coffee, sat down, watched some Netflix, went and picked my partner up from work. Um, She's a chiropractor, so she gets to continue working as an essential worker. Um, Now just sitting down having a conversation with you. Well, we're very happy you could carve out a bit of time for us. Your story, we talked a little off air about the impact your stories had on my youngest daughter and I've really enjoyed discovering it as well and I think everybody that's listening today is going to really appreciate the ups and downs of the story and the fact that it's unfinished and has a long way to go. But I'd like to start by just talking about the experiences you've had because you're very early into your coaching career, but you've already had some great firsthand experiences of some wonderful coaches. You were at Collingwood and I know Nathan Buckley would pop in from time to time. And now you're um, with Andy Collins out at Williamstown. What do you think the great coaches do differently? I think my experience with the greats of Nathan Buckley and Andy Collins is how they build relationships with their players And we see more often now how important that is to understand the person first and then the player second. And I think that's something that I do naturally is build relationships. I guess coming from my early childhood of being a a bit of a rule breaker and um, I think I needed to make friends quite quickly so I can get them on my side. So I'm, I'm pretty good at making friends. But I definitely think that that's something that can separate the the good coaches to the great coaches is how you are able to find the best out of your players by understanding how they operate, what makes them tick, and then also how to really see and adjust training sessions or your language or your body language to, to make sure that you know that you care about them as a person and that at the end of the day, the results don't matter because you're there for them. Penny, you transitioned into coaching very quickly. It was, the, it was the year after you retired. And in that first year, you were named Coach of the Year. And then in your second year, you led the team to a premiership, which is not normal not to have such a smooth and successful transition. But based on this success, what, what tips would you have for other players who are now transitioning into coaching? I think the hardest thing for me when I was moving into my coaching is that I always knew that I wanted to coach before before anyone realised and all I ever wanted to do was be the first coach of the Collingwood Football Club. Like for, for people who don't know, you either love Collingwood or you hate Collingwood. And my blood is black and white. So I was born into a Collingwood family and I don't really think I had a choice. My mum keeps saying to me that my first word was magpie and I do believe that that's true. It wasn't mum or dad, it was magpie. And I, I still remember to this day, we have to do a school project when we're in grade two about who do you want to be when you grow up? 
you know, all my friends were doing, I want to be a vet and I want to be a doctor. I want to fly helicopters. And here I am drawing a, a picture of this girl coaching Collingwood Football Club. And so I think that that's something that I always wanted to do was be a coach. And so when I, when I started playing football, it just sort of became a, something that I do naturally is help others. Um, being a leader of, of my club too also allowed me to pass on knowledge or encourage or to um, motivate people to get the best out of themselves. And I think that once I started playing for the Colin Football Club, I just saw, you know, this great facility and the, the support that these people gave players is that this is something that I wanted to do and that was to coach. So as much as I like to say I retired, I think it was just my time to change careers and really focus on, on what I wanted to do as a person that was to coach. And I think with any coach can understand that, you know, without having the, the guidance of people around you, it's quite hard to know where to step. And I have made some mistakes and I will continue to make mistakes as a coach. But yeah, the, def- the hardest thing for me from transitioning from player to coach was finding that line between being their teammate, which I was previously in the previous season to now being their, the program leader, their coach, someone that I need to tell them what to do and how to do it. You've got Steph Chiocci, who I've played football with for, for many, many years. I'm now telling her where to go um, on the football field and telling her how to get better. And I think for me, that was one of the hardest things is to know that they respected me enough to listen to me. And I think that once I learned that and once I truly believe that in myself, that I am the program leader, I am the coach and they do respect me, that's when I really started to step up and really enjoyed my coaching and not have the fear um, that they wouldn't listen to me. You talked about guidance in there. Was there anyone or any group of people that, helped you build that belief? A lot of it was the leaders of the AFLW team. And I think it was also the the coach at the time, Wayne Seekman, who took me under his wing and really showed me the way of how to communicate with with people um, and especially with my peers. And I think it was also a guy named Brad Gotch. So Brad Gotch was uh, the program director or the coaching director of the Collingwood Football Club. So you oversaw all the coaches within the club, which was the AFL, the VFL, the AFLW, the VFLW, the netball team, um, the reserves netball team. And funnily enough, I used to play junior boys football with his son. So I sort of, we already sort of knew each other. So I think having some time and spending some time with him and the way that he also coached, he also coached Williamstown. So there's like a three degrees of separation between myself and Brad Gotch. And now that I'm at Williamstown, it just seems like it was all meant to be. Um, and they really showed me that it's, it, you need to make mistakes because that's the only way you're going to learn. And as much as you can lead a horse to water, it's up to them to drink it. So I remember this one time um, Wayne Seekman said to me that, you know, oh, Penny, I don't think you should be going out and having coffee with the girls because that's, you know, their time and you're not a player anymore. And I didn't really listen to him. And yeah, went and had a coffee and a few things were said that I probably shouldn't have heard as a, as a coach. And I think that that really cemented me to realise that there's a line between being a coach and being a teammate. And that picture that you drew when you were a kid holding the Premiership Cup aloft, I assume, wearing the Collingwood jumper, is it still around? You know what, I've, I've had many, many, many people ask me about it. 
and I've asked my mum and we can't find it anywhere, but I can see it, see it clear as day. It was a um, picture of, at the time, it was Stuart Lowe and he had this massive, massive hands. And so I actually traced Stuart Lowe, put him in a Collingwood jumper and put a ponytail on and instead of holding the football, it was a premiership cup. And I can still see it very, very clearly in my head. Penny, when I was preparing for today, I've been gone from Melbourne for a long, long time. And I must admit, my knowledge of sport in Melbourne doesn't extend very far these days. But when I typed in your name on the internet, the first thing that comes up isn't your playing or your coaching. It's the details of the sex discrimination case that you fought and won um, with your friends and your mum for the right for girls to play, you know, continue playing mixed gender Australian rules football up to the age of 14. The verdict... Uh, you know, I read, read articles, I've seen a documentary, the verdict changed the trajectory of female sport in Australia, and it's now featured in the you know, National Sports Museum at the MCG. But that's not what I want to ask you about, actually, <laughs> because when you were going through that case, I've got uh, two daughters, 10 and 14, and I can only imagine some of the things that would have been said to you at the time. And I think I may be wrong, and maybe it was all positive, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Yeah, you're shaking your head. Okay. How did that experience of dealing with those negative comments shape you as a coach? Because I imagine it's given you a strong sense of resilience that is part of what you're passing on to these players when you have these conversations and this intimate relationship with them. Yeah. And do you know what? It's a really, really good question. And one of the things that um, when I was sort of thinking about this question was, Someone and everyone's always going to tell you that you can't do something. Oh, you're too short. You're too slow. Uh, you're not fast enough. You don't have the right body type, et cetera, et cetera. And for me during that time, all like I think about was stuff you. Like how do you know what I can't do? You have no idea what I'm capable of. And when everyone sort of said to me, I don't understand why you want to play footy. One, because I bloody love it. Two, because I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Three, it's because you said that I can't, that I want to do it. So I think having people continue to say, you know, that this is something that you shouldn't be doing or you can't do, I'm very much like, well, watch me, I'll prove you wrong. And I think as a female football coach in the land of AFL and in a, what we would call the boys club, I will continue to push these boundaries and continue to show girls and, and females that there is a way if there's something that you want to do don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it and if they if you find yourself in a roadblock find a way around it through it over it under it whatever it might be if there's something that you love and something that you want to do you will find a way to achieve that and I think being so young at the age of 14 not only was I going through exams in school and having reporters chase me down the road and be on my school bus asking me questions about the court case and people telling me when I'm getting my photo to look sad and look angry and people telling me who I should be. I think that was when I realised that no one is going to tell me anything different and I'm going to discover who I am and who I want to be on my own and I don't need anyone to tell me other than I support you and if there's something that you want to do, I'm going to be there and anyone that doesn't do that, well, and Stuff, yeah, you're not my friend. Penny, it's an amazing story. I'm going to put the links uh, in, the, in the show notes. But the, 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 actually the interview that I liked the most, what, I liked the documentary, it was good, but the one that I really liked was the you and your mum went back and you chatted with the, um, the, she's now a judge, the QC that helped you. 
And what I liked about it was that you changed her life and for the better. And then she's, she's now a judge and she's gone on and changing so many other lives. It, it's like this ripple effect from this one action that you took as a 12, 13 year old. And that's a heavy burden to carry. So how are you coping with that burden these days? Oh, I tend to do weights um, quite a bit to make sure I'm still nice and strong to carry this around. Um, no, no, it's, 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 it's so funny because I haven't really had the chance to reflect on the events of 2003 when I was 13, 14 until I got the chance to sit down and spend a lot of time with myself during lockdown and COVID. And it still amazes me that something so small, well, at the time I thought was so small and because I was so focused on just wanting to play football, how big of an impact this really had, not just on women and girls wanting to play football, but leadership in, you know, women in leadership and gender equality and discrimination. And it's not until a couple of years on, 15 or so years on, um, that it's really made me realise how big of a change that was and what has come because of that, the evolution of AFLW, more so women's sport in general and what it means to now have a pathway for girls to achieve and have the choice to choose whichever sport they want to play. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to actually move on from it, Penny, because there's so many other things to talk about, actually. And I'd, I'd like to jump into your coaching philosophy because I saw, a, I saw a little interview with you where you said having fun equates to playing good football. I mean, it's so true, of course, um, <clears throat> but you sometimes think at the elite level, fun gets left behind a little bit. So what are the other values that are central to your coaching philosophy? I love this question because the more I get to talk about it, the more I feel like I can influence the next coach um, that wants to sort of take that leap into, into that career. And I have three main values um, that I always fall back on. And the first one I have is to be engaging. And that's not just to my players, to my staff, to the people around me, but that's to the wider community, to be able to have conversations with yourself um, and the media and anyone that wants to have a conversation with me is to be really engaging and to show that I'm generally interested in what they're saying rather than being, oh, yeah, cool, no worries, I get what you mean, yeah, I'm, you know, won a premiership, I was coach of the year and, you know, now I'm at Williamstown, oh, yeah, I don't really care about you. But for me, to be engaging, that's part of the relationship building and I think that I will continue to, to, to feel this way is that you can – have a conversation with someone and change their life just because you have that genuine care. So my number one is to be engaging. My number two is to encourage. So I want to be encouraging, not again, not just to my staff to get the best out of themselves, not just to the people around me, but 100% to my players. I want to encourage them to reach their goals. Um, I put a lot of emphasis on their own in, um, development and I'm here as a coach to help guide, help provide you with the tools, to provide you with the education, but it's really up to you to get the best out of yourself. And I want to see you succeed. And that's by motivating, encouraging them, pushing them to, to links that they don't think that they could make, but making them believe in themselves. And the last one is to empower. And I think this is, it may be the last one, but it's probably the one that I hold closest to myself and when I feel that things are getting a little bit tough 
is to remember why I'm doing what I'm doing. Is that, and that's to ultimately empower young girls and women to aspire to be more than what they think they can be. And I think having those three things continuously at the back of my mind, I have them on my whiteboard. I have them, you know, as you could say, in my locker um, at the Williamstown Football Club is to always remember when things go south that I'm here for a reason. That's to engage, encourage and empower people around me. Penny, what do you enjoy most about being a coach? I think seeing people succeed and seeing people reach their goals. In my first year of coaching, I had five girls drafted to the AFLW. In my second year, I had another five girls drafted to the AFLW. And knowing how hard that they've worked, knowing how much effort they've put in, their sacrifices, um, the discipline they've had to put themselves through, that for me makes me feel like I'm the real winner. I love the fact that I've won a premiership, but that's not what I love the most about coaching. It's really seeing these girls succeed. And I'll share this story with you. We had this one girl, this is last year at the Collingwood Football Club. Her name was Morgan Doherty. And she'll probably, um, if she ever hears this, I'm going to send this interview to her. So she knows that she got a um, a mention. Is that one of our first ever training sessions um, in pre-season, we went down to the Brighton Beach and we're doing a beach session. And she could hardly hardly run. She hadn't really played a lot of sport or was coming off um, an injury. She really, really struggled with the fitness stuff. And I remember her just falling over and something happened to her knee, like her knee buckled or something. And she just started crying. I went over to her and said, Hey mate, what's wrong? And she was just in tears and she was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know why I'm here. I just, I just feel like I'm going to let you down and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not worthy of it. And I was like, mate, don't you worry. Come on. We'll be right. We'll get you up. We'll get you fixed and we'll get you going. Anyway, she ends up being in the premiership team. And I think that her transition from where she was to where she is now is another reason why I love coaching is because it's not so much about the destination, but being a part of their journey and seeing them succeed. And we had our one year anniversary on the 22nd um, of our premiership. And she was like, I still can't believe this day. And I said to her, you deserve to be on that ground and wearing that medal. And her response to me was, it was all because of you. And that to me, mic drop, done, coaching over. I don't need to do anything else. And that, that's, that's a big reason why I want to coach is to help these girls reach their goals, whatever it may be, whether it is to play one game, play a premiership, to get drafted, um, to be a better kick than they were uh, when they entered the program. It's all about, for me, seeing these girls succeed and being a part of that journey. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
Penny, it's a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing it. You do a lot of mentoring. You're pretty selfless with your time too. I can see tons of articles and pictures of you addressing small groups of coaches and players. You know, when people come to you to ask questions um, and you're in this mentoring role with them, so, so you have permission to give them advice. You know, you're not just there asking questions to help them uncover. What are the key questions you're being asked time and time again? I think the biggest thing from the majority of the coaches or the people that I've spoken to is how do you build the confidence to be who you are? How do you find to be able to stand up in a a room full of people and speak your mind? And I think for me, that's, that's a question that I ask myself a lot is how the hell do I do that all the time? And I feel that if you're confident in yourself and you believe in yourself it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks is because you're, again, I'm probably really stubborn, is that no one's going to tell me anything otherwise unless it's my mum. I think that's, that's something that all young women struggle with and that's all something that most people struggle with is the confidence to be able to believe in what, what they're doing is right. But for me, I just love helping people and I love football. And if I can bring those two loves together then I think I'm doing a good job. It's not just uh, young people that struggle with confidence too. I can tell you there's a, it's a lot of adults. And I think that confidence is developed very early on in life. And if you miss out on developing it, I think you're playing catch up for a lot of your life. And so you need positive role models like yourself to try and see what that behavior looks like. So I can understand why people would be asking you that question time and time again. But I'd like to flip around a bit, actually, because you've taken part in the Australian Institute of Sports Performance Coach and Performance Leaders Program. And I'm really interested to see, you know, or hear what you learned there, the things that really resonated with you. Yeah, it's been a little struggle uh, with the COVID happening. And basically what was happening is we would go to the AIS for three days and do a three-day program with the AIS group and during COVID we've had to sort of juggle that with online platforms and learning so um, it's been a struggle Uh, but from what I have been able to attend a couple of key things that I've really learned is learning more about myself and learning about who I am as a leader what type of leader do I want to be and then going through I guess steps to make myself a better leader where I sort of am at the moment is I feel like I've got a long way to go to be a a more effective leader. I feel that my leadership skills are um, are a bit of a novice at the moment, which is great because I think everyone can learn more by reaching out and doing programs uh, like the AIS program. And for me, it was more about the learning about the authentic leader of myself and learning about how other people lead. And how I found it really, really interesting to be in a a room full of powerful, strong, independent female coaches, all living their dream of coaching the the sport that they love and learning from them about how they deal with conflict, I think for me has been one thing that I'm not very good at is dealing with conflict and telling a player that we haven't selected them because for A, B, C, D reasons. And for me, because I'm such a, I guess, an emotional person is that I really feel for the player when I tell them that they're not selected. And that's something that I'm working on is, again, finding that line between being 
um, a mate and saying, hey, buddy, look, you just haven't done what we needed you to do this week and that's why you're not playing or having learning strategies of how to have those conversations, I think for me has been the biggest learning. Penny, I mean, you're not alone. Anyone who takes on a managerial role in the workplace has to suddenly start directing and managing people they were peers with. I think finding that line is a very difficult thing to do and it's not easy. And it's, it's a question we ask on every one of these podcasts, actually. How do you find that line about being too close to people, but also being removed enough to be dispassionate and make decisions for the greater good of the team? It's, it's very difficult, but let's drill into conflict because teams, families, groups, conflict derails them, especially when it's not resolved. So what's on your development if we had a little look at your development plan, and I'm pretty sure you've got one, seeing how organised you are, what what have you got written there about developing your conflict management skills? I think it's making a, a clear line at the very start of the season and going through what the selection criteria would, will, will be and who makes those decisions. And then also making sure that when I am having these conversations prior to the conversations with the player is to speak to their um, line coach and say, this is the reason why I'm not, we are not selecting player A. We think that this is something that they need to work on. So one thing that always happened when I was playing and wasn't selected was I always got told, just keep doing what you're doing. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get a game, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, well, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm not going to get selected. So I was always very strong into making sure that when I was having these conversations with these players is to make sure that I gave them real direct, I guess, skill or real direct um, information that they can actually go away with and work on, not to say you're not selected because you didn't play enough game time or you're not selected because you didn't do your role or not selected because um, you haven't got X amount of possessions as you should have got. So really making sure I have clear understanding of why they're not selected the second one would be clear guidance into what they need to improve on and making sure the people who they need to speak to know the reasons why. So there's no, oh, yeah, but Penny said this, but you're saying that. And so I don't understand why I'm not being selected. So making sure there's a really clear and consistent voice. Penny, I'd like to um, switch over actually and talk a little bit about women in coaching because the, the sad reality is if you look at the Rio Olympics, 11% of all accredited coaches were female. And yet I was flicking through, we get the Harvard Business Review at work, you know. But there was an article a couple of weeks ago that said, you know, women outscored men in 17 of the 19 capabilities that differentiate excellent leaders from average or poor ones, which I didn't realize the gap was that big. I knew there was a gap, but I didn't realize it was that big. But my question is, what can be done to get more females into coaching? This question is, is something that I'm really passionate about. And I think a lot of the time females can feel like it's tokenism to have a female, uh, a part of your coaching board or on the board of directors or in your organization. And for me as a female trying to be authentic in what she does is that don't make us feel like we're there just for the sake of having us there. And I think that the more that females feel appreciated and more that females feel that they actually do belong as the program leader, as a board director, as a coach, that the more we're going to get involved. And being able to be flexible as majority of the females are also the caregivers of their families 
to have that balance between life and work. And that's something that I found has been quite difficult with being a female, not being able to provide full-time opportunity as a, as a football coach compared to my male counterpart who gets double or triple the amount of income um, for the same role. And now I understand that we're not at the same level as education or experience, but it's being able to provide females with the opportunity to have a full-time role as a coach or as a leader without having to find other sources of income and to have the flexibility to understand that not all females are going to be able to be a full-time position, but have the understanding that if they need to be the caregivers, that they have that opportunity to do so. One thing I also think is to have more females in leadership and more female coaches be seen in the media and across social networks because you can't see, we can't be what you can't see. And this is something that I've started to really understand is that before I became a football coach, there was no other female football coaches except for Bet Goddard, Michelle Cowan in the AFLW in the first season. And then it was last year that Peter Searle was the only female head football coach of the AFLW. If there's not more people out there doing or being, then how can we expect other people to see that? It's a great answer. And I think it's, it's very true. And it's a challenge, I think, for all people who are in leadership to think a little bit more about that, not just have tokenism, but to bring visibility to actually the diversity of thought, appearance, gender, sexuality that is being present um, within the teams. I think people want to be part of group. They want to look into a group and see themselves reflected back. And if they can do that, then I think participation within the group also increases. But I'd like to talk about your old school because in preparing for this, you know, when, when I was researching, there is an article actually that pops up and I didn't think it was a very good article actually, because it says, here's the quote, Penny was a pioneer in helping to bring about the great opportunities for women that now exist in sport. And I thought the use of the word was, was a little wrong because it's not like you're in past tense yet. You've still got a lot, a lot of energy and a lot of uh, runway ahead of you. So what are your longer-term aspirations as a coach? Where, where do you want to head to? Um, I mean, I'm really enjoying the journey at this stage and I'm really enjoying learning more about coaching and more so who and how I want to coach, what type of coach I want to be. But long-term, I think coaching the AFLW is, is something that I want to do. But I also want to be able to push the boundaries in, and, and coach a, a male team whether that be in, start off in um, the NAB League, which is a, the underage competition and sort of work my way through that process because I think that there's something really powerful about a female coach coaching a men's team or a boys' team. I think that's not just powerful for those coaches and those players, but also for young boys growing up as well to see that it doesn't matter there's a female coach it just matters that there's a coach and they're there for you. And I think that's just, again, a really powerful message is that it's not about the, the gender or the, or the sex or the race or the religion. It's about that coach being the best person for the job. And does it have to be Collingwood? Um, look, wouldn't that be nice? I think ultimately I'd love to go back home, as we would say. Um, and I, I've had many conversations with the one and only Eddie Maguire. Um, and I'm sure when the opportunity arises that they would love to have me back in a heartbeat. 
Fenny, you've been very generous with your time today, and I'd like to ask one last question. And I think we've probably already answered it through this interview, but I'm going to I'm going to ask it anyway. You're very very young in your career. You're still in your mid thirties, early early thirties, I think. I couldn't. Yeah, look out, early thirties. Early thirties, my <laughs> lord, you've got years of coaching ahead of you. So, asking a question about legacy doesn't feel right. So, what I'm going to ask you to do is, if I could project you forty years into the future. And perhaps your career is winding down then and you're reflecting on it. And I say to the words to you, legacy, what is it that comes to mind? What is that legacy you want to have left behind you? Um, you know, it's funny how you say I should be looking, you know, in 40 years, what legacy I should be leaving. But I think there's already one already started. There was this one image and I'll, I'll come back to the legacy part in a minute, but I, there's this one image. I was in the rebel sports store and I was looking at a new pair of footy boots and all I hear was this like screeching, oh, my God, this, I want this one. This young girl, she was probably about six or seven, running towards her mum with these bright pink football boots going, mum, mum, these are the ones that I want. This is it. This is the football boot that I, I want to go run around in. And I was like, I like started tearing and I started going, this is the reason why I did what I did because this young girl now has the opportunity to choose any path to be anyone who she wants to be is because of the people that she sees that have paved the way and been trailblazed. And like, for me, that was, that again was a moment in time where I reflect on and say, and continue to push boundaries and continue to stand up for what I believe in. And so I think that there's already a legacy sort of starting, but I would love to leave behind me where that there is no difference if you're a girl or a boy and you're walking down the street and having, you know, a kick with your mate on the street that girls who play football is normal. Like that's a normal thing that there's boys and girls kicking the footy and same with boys and girls throwing a netball. Like for me, it's just about providing opportunity and providing equality across all landscapes of life. And I think for me that this is something that's going to be bigger and it's just going to get better as we continue to, to live our lives and have people like myself and other people in this world who are pushing those boundaries. Penny Kula-Reed is a pioneer and I thank you very much for your time today. It's an inspiring conversation and I can't wait to share it with, with a broader group of people, the world, and hear how they react to your story as well. So thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure, Paul, and happy to speak anytime. The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Jim here. You've been listening to our chat with the brilliant Penny Cooler Reed. The highlights for me when you are leading a team that you were previously part of as a player, learning to believe in yourself as a leader allows you to step away from the players and still have faith in yourself to guide them. Penny's desire to push boundaries so that she can show other women and girls that there is a way if there is something that you really want to do. And her thoughts on getting more females involved in coaching and leadership positions by making them feel more appreciated. Paul opened the episode describing the effect Penny's story has had on our families. A world where young boys and girls compete equally in sports is an inspirational vision. The reality is, in many countries, perhaps even like the one you're listening to this in, there is still a long journey ahead. 
the voices and actions from leaders like Penny Cooler-Reed need to be heard. Coming up next on the Great Coaches podcast, we speak with internationally celebrated basketball coach Olaf Langer. But the ultimate goal as a coach always for me is to become redundant. Our goal is to create an environment, to set high standards, uh, make sure we, we as a team adhere to the process and play the best to the best of our abilities. And then in the game, I think um, we should be more of a guardian that we and our team plays the right way. And we can't be sucked in uh, by the temptations, especially in our game, um, to overcoach from the sides because eventually uh, it will get you it will get you beat because uh, the game is so fast paced that the players have to make decisions and they have to get better at doing them. And just before we go, coaches are not usually the type of people who seek the spotlight. If you can put us in touch with a great coach who has a unique story to share, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us using the details in the show notes. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.